we invite the one who loves us into our awareness. In, in the same way, I think that there's a reciprocation of spirit because I think the spirit then at the same time is inviting us to be aware and to be awake. What do sunsets, cooking, and petting cats have to do with the incarnational stream? Well, quite a bit. Today, I invite you into a moving conversation I had with spiritual director, teacher, Renovare ministry team member, and all-around joyful person, Gene Nevels. Gene wrote us an original essay on the incarnational stream that you can find on our website at renovare.org. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Podcast. Hi, Gene. Hi, Nathan. How's Oregon? Oregon is a little bit dark and gray today, um, but the morning, it dawned brighter than um, it usually does this time of year. And so we had big sky, some pretty pinks out there. Um, the morning is beautiful. A bright dawn. Yeah. I've never thought about that, but some dawns are brighter than others, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Um, this one reminded me. There's, uh, you know, the hymn, uh, Christmas Carol, a little town of Bethlehem. There's a, a verse that we rarely get to anymore these days, but it, um, it starts out how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given and God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. And that's sort of how light comes into the sky for me in this time of year. It's just silently silently that dawn you know just starts to grow it's not the great sunrise that um, you get in some parts of the world but just light comes really gently really softly to us and the day begins and when there's a little bit of color there you know you really do feel the blessings of God's heavens so that's how the morning started today I mean it's kind of incarnational well I think it is kind of incarnational. We do see that um, the, uh, the presence of, of God, at least when our, we're oriented to be aware of it and to see it, um, we do see that. And, and that is, I guess, it is incarnational in the way that um, God's gifts are given to us. And some, in, in, in many, many ways, um, it is sort of in that silent dawning of awareness. Um, that we have that sacredness with us. Um, we know God's presence with us. Um, yeah, good one. That is incarnational. Well, I know it's what we were going to talk about today, and, and I just thought, well, there it is right there. And you bring up a, a helpful piece in that that is worth expanding on, and that's noticing. Because that gift can be bursting forth outside your window, and you could miss it totally. Um, and I have... <laughs> <laughs> and I will. <laughs> and I probably will. And all the more um, joy, I guess it is, or well, it's wonder, all the more wonder, you know, when, when we do notice and we are aware. Um, and then we can be grateful, let it fill us. Um, it carries us for a little while. Yeah. Two words, grateful and carries us. That's oh. good. Well, Jean, tell us the incarnational tradition. What are your thoughts? 
So the incarnational tradition is really about how God is involved in all of God's creation and how um, God's fingerprints and God's presence um, and evidence of the reality of God is present in matter, in all of matter. And so um, there's no, with God, there seems no separation between what is sacred and what is secular, between what is holy and what is not, at least in the, in the sense of how um, God has gifted this planet and gifted human beings with the energy and, and love and creativity um, of that, those characteristics of God. How do I engage in the holiness, the sacredness of all of life? Well, in some ways, it's exactly how we started, Nathan. It is, it is in noticing. It is in, in our awareness. And that is um, also then um, with tuning our hearts, um, even training our eyes and our ears um, to notice, um, to have, have an awareness of it. And, and in, some, in some regards, um, even when um, we have those moments in which we are um, highly occupied with the details of our lives, and we aren't necessarily composed in a contemplative position, um, we can still have that awareness of, um, that we know by experience, that we know by thought, that we know by our, our theology, that God is here, mm-hmm. that God is here. That was one of the first um, things that Dallas would teach about practicing the presence of God, is to acknowledge that, um, Lord, you are here. You are with us. And sometimes if we can just um, take a second to just take a breath and do a pause, um, we can return to that, that centered assurance that, Lord, you are here. So it's, it is starting with awareness and with noticing, um, like noticing the sunrise this morning, um, noticing um, the, um, the expression on a loved one's face, you know, as we as we walk into the room to greet each other, um, noticing how really wonderful bacon smells at frying in the pan on a Sunday morning, um, noticing how really good this hot coffee tastes, and the steam that comes up off of that, like like an in, like an incense, and in the in the noticing and in the awareness, then that there's that that um, almost easy. Um, movement into gratitude. So when we notice that God is here or we notice the goodness in the moment, we notice the gift and the grace of, um, of, of life, um, then we move into gratitude. So those are first steps or first inklings of practicing the incarnational tradition. I like this, that in the noticing, we do move to gratitude. I mean, I don't know if I want to say always, but it does seem to be where the noticing, the tuning of our hearts and our eyes and ears to what God is up to and about, it, it does lead to gratitude. It does lead to gratitude. And I think uh, um, it, in those places where we're sort of awake or available to notice, it also sort of moves past necessarily cognitive or intellectual engagement into knowing from a felt sense. Mm-hmm. And then we do feel it. We feel thankfulness. And there's a, there's a, 
a, a sort of peace that accompanies the gratitude, you know, as, as it rests us as well. Yeah, we move into that. So our awareness, um, Lord, you are here. And then, then that's that sense of gratitude and knowing God's uh, reality and experiencing a kind of presence in that movement into that deep gratitude. It's not just an, an act of our will or a, a, a cognitive exercise. Not only that, but it can also be a cognitive exercise. Mm-hmm. What begins as a cognitive exercise potentially can take me somewhere very different. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and, and so then we experience it and we experience it in flesh, in our bodies. Incarnation is, you know, incarnate. We are enfleshed beings. And so, so it does, it does have that movement. The other cognitive function of that then also is we notice that, and it can be really subtle and um, it can be, there, there's no time even that happens in there lots of times, you know, we just notice that and, and um, that, that God is in it. Even we might not even have the thought that God is in it, but we feel that sense of gratitude. We feel that sense of presence. The other, the other piece that is also somewhat of a cognitive function is um, we can then also in our acknowledging Lord, you are here. We can then be all the more inviting, you know, there's invocation in it. And so we can move into this invitation and we might have to renew that invitation throughout our day. And sometimes it, it can be almost um, a cry or a plea, <laughs> you know, oh, Lord, be in this moment, <laughs> please, you know. And so those who practice the Jesus prayer in the way that they pray that Jesus, you know, son of God, have mercy. And they keep that refreshing that throughout the day. And it is a practice that you can do. But there is that invocation where we invite the one who loves us into our into our awareness and in in the same way i think that there's a reciprocation of spirit because i think the spirit then at the same time is inviting us right you know, to to be aware and to be awake and so even though we might think that we're initiating that invitation i think we're mirroring the invitation to us come into this life with life you know come into this moment where um where the holy one is be awake with me in this sense. Be awake with me in the um, in in how this newborn child that you're holding smells and feels and snuggles in next to your neck. You know, be with me as the cat crosses the keyboard and you can pet that soft fur. Be with me in this moment. So I think that that invocation is um, there's a reciprocity in in the spirit, and that it invites us to be. Um, awake and aware and present and um and and then very often without a whole lot of cognitive function um we can discern or we feel our way in the moment as to what the next action might be whether that action and that activity is appropriate if it's loving if it's good if it's urgent if it's needs um, a little more prayer or thought or listening um, also, the way in which everything then becomes sacramental. Um, when I visit my parents, I watch my dad pick up a tool 
and um, and how he holds it in his hand and how he uses it for a specific purpose. Or I watch my mother in the kitchen still at her age, you know, as she creates uh, good um, things for us and and see how um, how easy she'll reach out and and grab uh, whatever it is that she needs, you know, a spoon, a bowl, um, the ingredients that go into it, and just just the motions. Um, that that she uses that that um, they have a, a purpose and a usefulness and what um, they're doing is um, created out of out of their love but also it, it holds um, in it also that uh, image of God and the creativity that they're bringing out into the world that they're creating something that has never been created before you know not that that uh, uh, my mother's banana bread hasn't been created before. She's done it and she's perfected it and it's wonderful. <laughs> um, but this particular one has never been before. And so participate with God in that creativity of uh, bringing things into the world. In a sense, it's very much about reality, making ourselves available to the reality of what is going on in our elderly parents, right? Something as simple as grabbing a tool or making banana bread that I'm aware of a, a deeper reality taking place in that moment. Yeah, it really is. Um, and of, of course, that um, Evelyn Underhill was the one who used, who um, first introduced me to um, thinking and talking about God and divine movement as reality. Um, but I know that Richard Foster and Dallas Willard both um, used that language as well. And knowing that there isn't any other place to meet God except in reality. <laughs> Where we're at. Yeah. yeah, right here and right now, um, which is why, um, uh, you know, my worry about the future and projecting into the future isn't the uh, necessarily a place where um, I'm in God's presence or meeting God, you know, unless I'm holding that open um, to God. And then also, um, you know, re-rehearsing, you know, or spinning, you know, our past memories, you know, they aren't, they aren't right here and right now in the present moment. And not that things didn't really happen, but right here and right now is where God meets me um, in this place. So the incarnational tradition is, in, in a lot of senses, about being here and now, not living in the future or the past, but tuning to our eyes and ears, like you said. Yeah. What is? Now, the paradox of that, Nathan, of course, is that oftentimes it's on reflection that we notice. Okay. Um, so we reflect on our experience, um, and then we're able to see um, the fingerprints of God. It's not always right. Um, in the moment, and yet we do know that you know within the within our bodies, we do know and sense that. Mm -hmm. uh, so oftentimes it is on reflection, and um, and and certainly you know as we make plans um, for the um, work that is before us, you know there there is an anticipation. Um, but I'm talking about those other extremes, you know, mm -hmm. of worry and regret. Um, in which we, if we can bring that into the um, current moment um, in God's presence, how those things tend to lose their power, and the um, the, the gratitude and the peace um, and that assurance 
them come in. And we learned then to trust reality. And trust, of course, is, is our faith. I'm thinking, do you know Evan Howard? I don't know if I do. It's okay. He's, he's uh, in, in, in Montrose, but I did a podcast with him a while back where he talked about the term he used was God hunting, but it was just basically his daily examine of looking throughout the day and where was God in this. And and I hadn't connected that. I mean, I'd connected that or just thought of it as a kind of prayerful contemplative act, but I hadn't connected. That's really being incarnational of where was God in this space, in this um, moment, in this matter. Oh, good. It was a good podcast. I like it. <laughs> What gets in the way? What keeps me from being available and inviting God into daily life, the ordinary, mundane? I would want to turn it back to you and say, I don't know, Nate, what does keep you from As as a good spiritual director that you are. (laughs) Um, I I think if we're going to continue staying sort of rooted in reality. I think reality is that um, if, if we take Paul's um, assurance to us, you know, that there isn't anything that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I would want to start by saying, I don't think there's anything that you can do that would in reality keep you from the presence of God or that that incarnation of God in reality and all around you. However, there are things that we do that inhibit our awareness and our active participation. And I think I kind of touched on that a little bit is, you know, the, the past and regrets, you know, and the future and worry. And, um, and a great deal of the way in which um, our, uh, the, the way that we're wired, our different personality um, types um, can pull us um, to um, different points of, of fear. And, um, and so whatever that fear is, whether it is, um, that that's underlying our act, our actions or our plans or our concerns, um, then, um, I think that that is, that is one thing that can occupy our minds in such a way that we, that we aren't aware you know, and that we aren't in the moment noticing. And so that your friend in that podcast, the really good practice then is sort of going back and reflecting on it and saying, oh, oh, you were here. Um, but I think that that, um, that fear is um, always sort of the at the end of that thread when we follow those places of unconsciousness or unmindfulness or awareness. I think that, that there's something in there. What was I occupied with again in that place? And, you know, and even as I'm saying, um, you know, that there's that underlying um, piece that is generally rooted in fear. I'm, we're in the Advent season, and I'm remembering that the first greetings to the witnesses of the incarnation of Christ. And the messengers said, fear not. That was, the, that was their assurance and their invitation. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Um, and... 
you know, that, that can be uh, a wonderful assurance, or it could also be one more thing that I feel guilty about because I am here. <laughs> yeah. You know, but to have that, but to have that sort of word um, come down from God that says, you don't need to be afraid. You really don't have to be afraid. And, um, and, and then we can kind of hold that with some compassion. Because certainly the shepherds were sore afraid, you know, and certainly Mary wondered and pondered, what was this greeting? So there are, there are those things that do happen, which that does come up. It's, it's part of living in flesh and in human form. You know, we have those alerts that go off um, that is unfamiliar, it's unknown. Um, and I think, but I think that those are the things that that might keep us from our noticing, from our awareness, from our desire to live um, in vocationally inviting God in, and responding to God's invitations to us. The idea that fear is often our knee jerk reaction, and you see it in the the, the biblical passages. I mean, so there's something very natural to for us to go to fear, but then fear not. Like, 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 don't get lost in that. Like, you'll miss it. Yeah. Don't get lost in the fear. Parker Palmer writes a little bit about this um, in in one of his pieces, where he does talk about um, uh, that that fear is in us, but fear isn't the only thing. That there is also residing in there. There is also courage and compassion. There is also um, love and creativity. There are also those other things. And so, in some regards, it might be a matter of again where we put our attention and 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 um, where we allow our mind to dwell in what thoughts that we're dwelling in. Of course, when you're visited by an angel, that cortisol and adrenaline is going to bump up, and you have to start doing all of those things. Um, you know, poor Zachariah in the temple. He can even speak about his experience. So we do have a choice to offer hospitality to fear. You know, invite it in and serve it, and you know, attend to its voices. Yeah, and we can feed it a lot, or we can, um, or we can turn it and invite in and attend other things. Yeah, because yeah, the incarnational life, it doesn't fit with a life of fear. Um, earlier you said about tuning our eyes and ears to notice this idea of being available to notice what is around us and what, what God is doing and what's in this space. And then this kind of mere invitation of inviting God to be in it and God inviting us and, and that this moves to gratitude. Um, and, and then you gave us a couple of really helpful practical examples, the sunset, your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other ways practically that we can tune our eyes and ears? Well, certainly we can um, use our bodies you know, and be really aware of of just sensations, of of felt of felt things, um, and part of of tuning into our bodies helps us to stay present in the moment. You know, right here, I'm noticing that. Like, um, uh, you know, so so our bodies can help us. We can list our bodies um, to help us with that. Yeah, and notice what are we hearing. Um, um, can we hear the clock ticking in the room? 
Are we noticing that? Um, are we feeling the temperature of the air in the room? Are, are we present to that? Um, the tactile things um, of our life are, are there too. Um, this is one of the great gifts of being enfleshed um, in the form that we are, is we have, we have all of these senses. So that, that is certainly one way we can enlist our body to help us. The other way that um, can help us, I think, attune to the incarnational life that we live is, um, again, bringing our awareness and our intention into um, some of those other practical disciplines or practices, you know, of service as we're serving other people. Are we awake and are we aware and are we seeing opportunities for serving? Um, you know, going to the grocery store and I see a group from a local high school who's collecting cans um, for the homeless. And in the moment, am I willing, Am I first am I aware of them? And then do I feel the invitation to grab a couple of extra cans of, uh, of food while I'm in the grocery store and participate with them in what they're trying to do? You know, so that that piece of awareness of, of what is happening around us and and what are the um, what are the invitations, small and large, um, that that might be there. One of the ways that we can orient ourselves um, towards that awareness um, that I think is probably one of the most helpful practices is how we spend time in our lives, hopefully on a daily basis if we can manage it. it um, meeting God in silence and solitude to begin our day and to center in that awareness and that so that, you know, we're refocused, we're centered, we're sort of grounded in our being. We can go out um, with um, those eyes and ears tuned um, towards God's activity in the world, what God is inviting us to. The Can you pause for a second? Yeah. My other cat is banging on the door to be let in and out. So hang on just one second. I very badly need a non-home office. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think this is wonderful. I'm so glad. Thank you for taking such good care of those pets. Because for, for a lot of people, they do incarnate God's presence. There's unconditional love and always invitation. Yeah. One of my kids when he was little, would, uh, I had to explain that humans were of more value than animals. And he didn't get the idea that there was, a, you know, and, and part of that is, I think, their capacity to love, you know, and not all humans seem to have a capacity, or at least choose to, uh, to, to, to love. But, okay, is there something incarnational in that, in my cat banging at the door? I, I do think so. The, um, well, for one thing, you know, a cat banging on the door brings you into um, the very present moment and invites immediate action. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> so, that, so that might be, might be one way in which that is cute. I don't have pets in my home. I grew up with pets. And, um, and there are people for whom those creatures really do bring uh, to them a sense of the goodness of God. And it, it is very much in, in their affection and in their response. Now, I don't think that pets have egos, although I've met my parents' cats. 
<laughs> so I think it's possible that there's there might be something to to cats and cat lovers will have to help me understand that a little later. What I do notice is the um, the empathy that animals seem to be able to express, mm-hmm. the feeling with and the taking the temperature of, mm-hmm. and so watching my mother's cat come up and sort of check on her as she settles back into her chair. Um, I visit a a friend in um, the Illinois area um, whose horses um, are trained to accompany people in a therapeutic way because I did not know this. Horses, I guess, are very empathic creatures. And so maybe this is something that that we hadn't quite got around to, <laughs> that the animals are helping us get around to, you know. And then that that is that deep empathy, of feeling with and noticing and being with and and being able to bring presence to and and in such a, and in gently so, in that accommodating way. Oh, I've got it. The picture's clear to me. So my um, my. My kid will sit and pet the cat for like 20 minutes and nestle in and listen to the purr and often says, Dad, just you got to try this. You got to just, you know, pause, pet the cat, you know, like nestle in. And in this moment, it is an invitation to move towards gratitude, to move to being a little more human, move towards worship. And there is this there is this very simple and welcome affection that you share. There's sort of an energy there of of affection between between you and your and your cat. Um, you said, and it, it somehow moves you towards worship. You said worship, Nathan. Well, I mean, isn't that gratitude? Gratitude, you know, moves us to a sense of God. I'm so glad you made cats. I'm so glad that. Or um, I can experience this, that I can feel this connection. And I mean, I think a lot of disciplines, or, or maybe even the streams, is it's not about the acts, it's about our intentionality, our awareness in the act. And I could, but training ourselves to just, I mean, it's like you said, of where's God in this and that kind of examine piece of. Um, not just petting the cat, but being aware of the invitation of petting the cat, the invitation from God with the cat. And again, there's that reciprocity because um, the invitation of the cat is for your action. And then what's happening in you as you pour out um, your attention and your affection on that creature and get the immediate reward of hearing the purr of gratitude (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. We 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 <laughs> talked about the incarnational tradition and went to cats. <laughs> Wonderful. Jean, I can't thank you enough. This is very delightful. Oh, Nathan, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was fun. Again, I invite you to check out Jean's essay at renovare.org. And for those of you gathering with your family this season, I think you'll find this helpful. During the conversation, I mentioned a past podcast with Evan Howard. 
It's titled Discerning the Voice of God, and it was released on January 28th, 2019. As always, thanks for listening, and have a great week.